The Working Artist Project is brought to you by Second Line Arts Collective. Learn how you can support at secondlinearts.org. We're creating a platform for those who are curious. One that tells the story from the artist's perspective. Moments in time, captured from the innovators who are reshaping dance, music, theater, and the visual arts. This is The Working Artist Project. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Working Artist Project. Today is February 21st, 2022. Darian Douglas, how you feeling? Gregory uh, G, we are back again. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? You know what? I have to to say tonight is a little disappointing because last week we were in the same space. That's not true. Two weeks ago. (laughs) Where does time time go? (laughs) We were we were hanging out in your living room, man, and here we are again, back back on Zoom, man. Can you like we gotta we gotta figure this out, man? I gotta come to New Orleans every Monday night. How about that? I'm down. Let's do it. Let's let's try self sponsorship. And uh, that would be cool. Working Artist Project brought to you by Delta. Hey, Delta Airlines, check us out. We need y'all, baby. Tom, Tom, let's let's look it up. Let's go. That's right. (laughs) We need to to tell Tom, our development director. Look, before we get into it, man, why don't we we do our public service announcement? Because it is drawing near to the summer. Winter is almost over. Mardi Gras is happening in New Orleans. And that can only mean one thing. Sanaa Music Workshop is uh, right around the corner, baby. That's it. June 6th through June 17th, right? That's right. So if you all have any, um, if there, you know, any young people between the ages of 14 and 21 who are interested in pursuing a career in the arts, um, we, we have a summer program called the Sanaa Music Workshop that we're hosting here in New Orleans. This is going to be our first time in person in two years. And we're hey. very excited. Our guest artist is the one and only Marquise Hill. And uh, it's going to be a a wonderful, wonderful musical experience. And we're going to be digging into a lot of music industry practices. And uh, yeah, we've been working really hard to uh, get the programming right this year. So we're really excited about it. And um, the quicker you sign up, the uh, more opportunity you'll have to get scholarship money. Hey, so tell tell your uh, very talented musical friends to head on over to secondlinearts.org and click Sanaa Music Workshop. And, and sign right up. We got plenty of scholarships and we're ready to, 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 to help you skyrocket your career in the arts. How about that? All right. So y'all, let's get started. Today's guest, we have the wonderful Nakira Warren and she's a vibraphonist. And also, I think I think it's fair to call her, uh, you know, a musical genius, man. And if, if you got a, a recent copy of Downbeat, you probably saw a very glowing review of her newest record which we're going to talk about tonight and um yeah what how about without further ado let's welcome Nakira Warren to the Working Arts Project. Nakira what's happening? What's going on y'all? Good evening what's up? You know, yeah, you know I had to, you know I had a, a live studio there you know I had the, the claps in the box. Huh? Listen I love that I love it I love it this is I'm I'm super grateful to be here thank you for having me. Oh, and yeah. also your glow, your glowing introduction. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that, man. We've been working hard at this yeah. for the last year and a half, so we, we hope we hope it's get, been getting better. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that was I was like genius. Whoa! <laughs> yeah. 
Loving it. Hey, I, look, I forgot to tell the people you from Brooklyn, so you don't take no shit either. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, listen, I'm like, don't, you know, don't lie to the people now, but I hear you. I hear you. I'm <laughs> not going to take it back, but yeah, you know, BK all day, man. <laughs> what, what, okay, what is, okay, I'm from New Orleans, so I mean, I kind of know about Brooklyn, but I also kind of don't. What, what, what does it mean to be from Brooklyn? It's like, y'all, no one takes oh, Brooklyn, from Brooklyn. Brooklyn is the <laughs> best. Don't even, I'm like, we could, I could talk about just that all day. Brooklyn is the best, BK all day. I think, like, honestly, it was something really special about growing up with so much, so many different cultures around you. Um, like, in many ways, I felt like I experienced, um, culture shock in the opposite way. So like when I started traveling, I started being like, whoa, why is like everything so segregated? I mean, that tripped me out, you know? So it's a real beauty in growing up in New York City, but growing up in Brooklyn, I think was such a sort of subset. You have obviously so much like musical culture that comes from Brooklyn. So obviously I grew up very deeply like entrenched in hip hop. and, and, you know, just like hanging out, like in the sty and like, hang, you know, it just, a, a lot of that was really, really in me. And then going to the city and like growing up in jazz clubs and stuff like that. So all of that has like really informed the way that I hear, um, you know, yeah, yeah. And Brooklyn's the best, man. It's like, Are you yeah. more of a New Yorker if you're from Brooklyn or if you're from Manhattan? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Listen, the block is high. You're trying to get me in trouble. (laughs) No, because, you know, I'm from New Orleans, but like I really grew up in the suburbs. And Mm. so, you know, I mean, I'm like, I'm really from here. You know, I'm so from here. I lived in the suburbs. Right, right, right. That's true. That's like how like that's like how like if you're from like Albany or something or like Yonkers and they're like, yo, like I'm a New Yorker. Someone's like, okay, like I got it. (laughs) But like you're not from the city. I feel like. I feel like it's equal. I feel like it's equal. Like if you're from one of the five boroughs, I mean, I don't know. There is like a ranking of the boroughs in my opinion, but I feel like if you're from Brooklyn or you're from the city, let's see, that's already like its own. The fact that we call the city Manhattan is a very interesting, like there is like a little bit of like an upper echelon, like, well, I'm from the city. Um, But if you're from Brooklyn, like everybody knows you're real as hell. So (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, you're from New York and like you were, you were dealing with some real stuff. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. Especially especially Brooklyn pre, you know, 1980s, oh. 1990s. It's yeah, real, real yeah. different Brooklyn than it is Please. today, you know. The Brooklyn I like- remember is very different. Even like where I grew up, like I remember coming back from college and being like, there's a coffee shop? Like I was mugging. <laughs> I was like, this is crazy. Got a restaurant? <laughs> Like, this is nuts. <laughs> you know, Brooklyn has changed a ton. It's still, you know, it's still changing. No, absolutely. You yeah. know, the most interesting thing I, I can tell you, you guys, because living in both cities, New Orleans and New York, is they're both really musical cities, but in completely different ways. And the same, too, because, like, in New Orleans, you always hear music on the street. Right. But you do the same thing. Also, you hear music on the street in New York, but it's coming out of somebody's like window because they got some big ass speakers. That's real. Fucking bachata. That's real. <laughs> that's real. Soca if you're in Canarsie, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's real. You know, that's actually like one of my favorite parts about being from New York is this like, um, like you catch these little pieces of of culture in just moving through the streets. Um, but like exactly what you said, I, and I love New Orleans. New Orleans is probably my second favorite U.S. city, you know. But like, but I totally hear you. Is there's this like 
people are general. I mean, you know, it's just that kind of city or it's a little bit louder, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so you do get that experience of like people partying and, and hearing things, even just, you know, like I know people get so mad, but like people in their cars blasting music, you know, in the windows, it's just like, I, you hear so much different, you know, so many different styles and so many different like iterations of, of, of the music is like beautiful, you know? It's because like every neighborhood in New York has its own soundtrack, you know? That's because, so real. Yeah. That is like so when real. I, when I lived uptown up in Harlem, man, it's like, depending on like, so I lived in a few neighborhoods. Like I lived on 111th and 7th, which is like, like Africans and Latinos, depending mm-hmm. on the street in that neighborhood. So you yeah. go to a certain part of Harlem and you just hear like straight up music from Kenya and Cameroon and Nairobi, like all these places. Yeah. And you go to it so maybe you go to east harlem and all you're hearing is salsa merengue you know and mm-hmm. it's like a, it's it's very interesting you know yeah 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 no i i yeah that's super dope I, it's like I, like i said one of my favorite parts of living in new york because it's true every neighborhood has its own energy and with that are the things that like vibrate around that you know so that's like you know the it's like i, I love new york because i feel like there is something for everyone everywhere like even people who were like oh, i can't really bang with new york it didn't work for me i'm like ah, i hear you but like there was somewhere you were in the wrong spot for for you you know what i mean you know so i definitely i definitely hear that so if i was to walk past your house say 20 20 some odd years ago what kind of music would be blasting from your window what, what would be we'd be <laughs> street uh 20, 20 years ago okay um <laughs> Well, at that point, you know, I'm living with my family. So like who, who, like my window, <laughs> I was listening to like Limp Biscuit and, oh. and like Metallica. And I don't know what that was. I, I, you know, I, I grew up, you know, I did like the pop music thing for a little bit. Like I like was into like the boy band harmonies. Like I, like really, I remember like singing harmonies, like being like, this is, you know, and my friends would be like, why are you singing that part? And like, that's the part that interests me. Like, this is crazy. Like, I kind of think that that was the first inkling of like, ah, like I'm hearing these things in different ways. Um, and then I got really into like, yeah, that like Limp biscuit corn. I listened to like Papa Roach. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went, that was like, you know, when I was like probably 10 or 11, like that was the vibe for me for a second. Um, and then hearing obviously a bunch of jazz around the house, a lot of Brazilian music. I grew up like just a lot of Brazilian music in the house. Um, so I'm like, I damn near spoke Portuguese, but <laughs> the time I was like 15, you know, um, at least in song. Um, so like, you know, just a lot of different. And then like, I don't know, my mom was like bumping TLC, crazy, sexy, cool, you know? So there was just, there was really a lot. There were like these certain tunes that I would hear. We listen to a lot of Mingus, a lot of James Brown, you know, it's kind of like all over the place as far as like what I liked versus everything else that was happening at that time. Like I was, I was in a lot of places musically um, in those formative years, like, you know, cause I was going to school and I went to, um, we'll call it a predominantly white institution, a very like, you know, a, a high school that was just, there were a lot of kids that were just different from me you know? Um, so that was, I feel like that sort of informed a lot of what I listened to. That was where I got hip to like Billy Joel (laughs) and like, you know, um, you know, so it was, I was, that was really a wide period 
for me of music. So like, you're like, what were you listening to 20 years ago? I'm like, oh my gosh, that was probably, you know, I, I hope to get back that level of like, of widened interest because now, you know, as a musician, sometimes we get so like, we zero in because yeah. we want to learn. We want to learn everything that this person is doing and this. And then, you you know, you you go down the, the proverbial YouTube hole. Um, yeah. But it's kind of, you know, in one space. And I think at that point, I was really just like, oh, my gosh, this and this and this. And it was like, you know, I was listening to a lot. <laughs> just know what I do. You know what I do. Sorry. Go ahead, Greg. Yeah, I'm go sorry. Ahead. Just for the record, what was your favorite Limp Bizkit song? <laughs> oh, oh my gosh i mean like see that's tough because like obviously i'm gonna say nookie because like that was like right, the, right. that was like the one that all your friends heard i'm gonna yeah. leave it at that because i'm like then i gotta really start going through songs and then we'll probably be here for a, for a while <laughs> Keep head, downbeat headline yeah exactly right. exactly right. is it yeah listening to limp biscuit now is wild to me because I, there was a moment where I was like, man, I don't know why I liked this. Like, you know, like, well, okay, you got this, like this dude rapping and like, it's like, right. But when I listen back now, I'm like, this was, this was fire. Like, yeah. honestly, like this was actually had a lot of dope elements of like, there was that Limp Biscuit song with Method Man. It was a really like oh, interesting yeah. tying of worlds together that like didn't quite happen in that way a whole lot, except for like in that era, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say earlier, like the, the one thing that I do uh, to keep myself listening to different music is I never listen to music that I like. Mm. like meaning like I love Miles Davis, you know, mm-hmm. and I like love Brian Blade, but I listen to it enough. So it's like, all right, cool. Like, you know, it's like, it's like eating this. If you just every day you ate your favorite food, it's gonna be too much. You gotta yeah. switch it up just to get some new some new sounds in your ears. Otherwise, yeah. you're just gonna be on that same shit. It's and plus, true. like the young cats, man, they be on some. Like I was hanging out with my nephew. I made a post about this, mm. and, and I was like, "Yo, man, let's let's." He's he's 13. I was like, "Let's listen to some stuff you like." Let me start playing this hip hop stuff, and it basically could have been sounding like free j- jazz to me. Mm. It, I mean, but it like it versus the hip hop that we listened to, you know, growing up, especially. Yeah. I was I was on Tupac and Biggie and Snoop Dogg and that kind of right. thing, you know. And yeah. this stuff that he's listening to, I'm like, yo, what the fuck is this? Like, yo, how it's does this actually, even relate? <laughs> yeah, it's dope. Honestly, the kids, man, the young, like these young cats, like it's honestly so dope because in so many ways, in so many facets of life. These little they don't have rules. They don't have rules. They don't like adhere to rules in the way that we adhere to rules. Like, you know, yeah. like we kind of like came from this generation and just our parents and their parents where it's like, you supposed to do things a certain way. Right. Even like learning this music, right. Like you're supposed to listen to this and then you're supposed to learn this. And then until you understand this, you can't move like this. And it's like so many of, of these young people right now, just being like, nah, like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Which is, which for in some ways, you know, you have these people who are like purists and like people who just people in general, it's difficult for us to think that's moving a certain way is okay. Like, because we felt like we had to, you know what I mean? We had to walk the path, you know? And so for us, it's like, that's respectful and it's respectful to, you know, but it's actually kind of beautiful to watch like a lot of these young people like creating their own past and like finding these spaces to learn 
in these, you know, in ways that don't look the way that we had to do it, you know? So it's like, I also like love that in what musicians are doing and like what younger people are like listening to. You're just like, this is like, who thought of this? This is wild. You know, yeah. like I hear you like this, like this, you know, hip hop that that is like, it doesn't, that you don't feel so anchored in the way that like, you know, the way our hip hop is. It's like, wow. Right. Yeah, it's super dope. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I love that that's happening. I think it's kind of crazy um, too. I feel like there's a, a big difference in like how our generation and this generation kind of like gets their music. And you know, back when back when we were younger, you would buy a tape or a CD or a record. Right. And you would, mm-hmm. you know, you'd spend your $15 on the record. If you loved it, you would listen to the record a couple hundred times. Right. You hated it, you know, you know, sorry, you bought a shitty record. Right. Um, but you know, like th- this this generation now, like it's it's crazy too. Like they'll listen to one song from a CD and then they're off to the next artist and then they listen to another CD. Right. And then like, you know, I, but I, I feel like too, that's like a, maybe contributing to the, maybe the uh, the lack of rules or the, a, 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 just a different sense of structure, you know? Like right. They, they have so many more influences than like the packaged 10 tracks. Right. Totally, totally. Like, right. Get getting this package and and having like everything from this one artist that you're gonna like, whether or not you were knew you were studying it, you were because you got that record. And if you liked it, you were gonna run that joint out. You know what I mean? I feel like I remember like having certain CDs like in my disc man and like like I was a huge I was obsessed with Ludacris, the rapper. Oh word. <laughs> I, was, I was obsessed. Yeah, my screen name was Luda Lover 18. That was like Oh no. Yeah, I was obsessed. Like that was like my husband. Like that was it. And like we're gonna make music and like babies. Like that was that was the vibe. And like I used to every day, word of mouth, that record, every day. I knew every word. And I kind of like, it's a trip because I'm, you know, I wonder now is how much does that exist? Like, I feel like I see that existing for people who are in our generation. Like, you know, I think like Jasmine Sullivan's record, like those are certain records that I do see people listening to the whole record. But is that happening? It's interesting because you would think like jazz would be the genre where like that was definitely happening. Of course, we're going to still listen to full records and it's kind of not. You know what I mean? Like so many times I'm like, this track is fire. And then I, it's a playlist and I just forget the track. And then like, you know, did I make it back to the whole album? Let's be honest. Like, no. you know, I might have, but it probably took a while. It's not like a, you know, yeah, it's like interesting the way things are going now, you know. I'm I'm gonna switch gears right now. And I just wanna, is Boys in a Hood your favorite movie or because <laughs> you, <laughs> you know it's up there. It's up there. Okay. It's it's one of my favorites. <laughs> okay, because because I when you sent the track run Ricky. Immediately, I was like, oh, she like, boy, because I love that movie. You know what I'm saying? It's one of those, I was telling my wife earlier, I was like, it's one of those movies you relate to, especially if you grow up in the hood. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, yeah, I know these all my, you know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. Yeah, you know, Run Ricky, Um, there is definitely a Boys in the Hood reference, but I wrote that because, well, first of all, there are a lot of people named Ricky in my life that have, like, popped up and created some influence. Um, and And that influence has always sort of been this, like, my view of or my perception of what's happening with many of the Black men in my life um, on some level or another. So it's a a story that is 
based off of many true stories. Um, and I sort of wanted to give an overview and maybe in some level, on some levels exaggerated, but not exaggerated for life. Just it was exaggerated for the stories that I'm pulling from. Um, but an overview of like that, that struggle of like wanting so badly to do well in a world that is consistently pushing you in the opposite way. Everything's set up for you to fail. So how is it that we can, you know, and, and what are the things that happen? What are the, what are the consequences of making the choice that wasn't the right choice? Even if you like, you know, even if you maybe didn't know better, like based on who you are, you just didn't get that second chance kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that was run Ricky, but of, of course, you know, anytime I play live, we use the, the boys in the hood samples and you know, <laughs> yeah, that's the vibe. There's always, there's always a little run Ricky sample. In there. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Did you, see, you, did you ever see that movie? I bet I've seen it years ago, but you know, I, I hate to say this, but the first thought that I had was like, I thought the word message, but then I was thinking that was the, um, the Wayne's brothers movie, the, don't be a menace. Another classic. That's another one. I think I think I saw Boys in the Hood once when I was when I was younger. But you know, like man, I, that's that's like an unrelatable story to me. You know, just yeah. the truth is, is I just that's a whole other experience from what I mm-hmm. grew up having, and that's that's just what it is. <laughs> oh yeah, well that's just that's your truth, man. Why don't Why don't we yeah. take a second now and play this one because it's it's a dope track. And I think also it relates to this conversation we're having, how we started it, where all these influences on this one track meet, you know? So let's let's dig this, Run Ricky. Seem to reach towards the sky, but yo, the colors, the colors were the greatest part. The vibrancy had chewed a hole straight through your heart. Like, am I looking at God? His mama did what she could for him. She worked a couple jobs to support him. She bought him new kicks so she could afford him. She loved the baby, but he needed to make some paper if he was ever gonna make it. She was screaming at him. So he got this dead at nine to five. And this next security gig at night, he would count the hours one by one. And as his soul was slowly slipping to space, he knew it had to be another way. And yeah, he had to get that paper made. And not a benefits want that great. Sell a couple bricks and he like, yo, we could be straight. But it could always be the wrong night. Running to the wrong guys had to keep the peace on them. Yes, a couple of ace and there's some leaf on them. 
Never been a gangster, just a dude that likes to do the ruthless. Truth is, he didn't have a legal tendency. Stop rushing all this paper, Ricky. Rushes on the paper, Ricky. Too bad for he could open in the gallery to red and blue to shoot a multiplication over a cell phone. All right, we can't we can't give him too much. They gotta go out and buy this joint. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's a fact. I, earlier, I called you a musical genius because you on here rapping, you writing, you playing. You know what I mean? I and appreciate this, it. Man. This is from your brand new record, Nakar Warren presents Black Wall Street. Yeah, first so record, what, man. First record. You, what took you so long? Oh man, <laughs> it <laughs> did. I'm not gonna lie. It took a long time. Uh, I, you know, there were a lot of things that took a long time, but mostly. I've been writing music forever. Like writing, composing is my first love. That's like what I really, really, really love to do is just create, you know, and, and synthesizing and, and creating sounds. And and um, I think for me, I always felt like if I wanted, if I was going to show up with a project that needed to have a sense of purpose, I needed to have a plan and I and I needed it to be concise. And I, on some level, for the first record, I didn't know when it was going to happen. I didn't know if I, it was going to happen when I 10 years from now. I didn't know. I think I just felt like I I knew that the music would come and it would make sense and it would be, you know, because I wanted it to feel like an album. I miss albums. You know what I mean? And so a big thing for me putting this together was that it felt like a cohesive record. Um, and so it it sort of like took that time for me to say, oh, like I have this set of music right now. You know what? This this piece of repertoire, that's the Black Wall Street repertoire, because it was for me, it was like pulling all these like really beautiful, um, valuable pieces of black music and, and, and entering them into this space that felt um, open, like. I guess open in the, in the sense that like, I wasn't, it was really the first time that I, in my composing that I wasn't stressed about what it was going to sound like. Like it really was just from my head to the page kind of thing. Um, because prior to that, you know, I just, you know, we worry about being a musician and, and am I doing enough and let me put this here and let me put that there. And is it, and the, the, you know, these can't be a fifth apart and the voicing is too, you know, so much. Um, and I think I was really responding based off of emotion in writing a lot of this based on like what was going on in the world. And, and it just was pure. And so it felt like, you know what, if this is, if you're going to put something out, this is it because I want to highlight what I love. I want people to understand that there is so much beauty, even in the things that we think that we can't tell are beautiful. It's there, you know? Um, and so that was really the purpose of of the Black Wall Street project. Yeah, something. Yeah. So it took some time. Yeah, it took a little bit of time, but I'm glad that I I'm glad I I'm glad I did it. <laughs> I read in the in the bio it took you six years to make the record. Was was that I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's yeah. an accomplishment to. I mean, you know, putting out a record of original music is always a great accomplishment, but a project of that magnitude is 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 even greater of an accomplishment. So you know, hats off to you for making that happen. I appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate one, of, one of the things that I was like immediately struck by is the um, maybe rhythmic diversity or the the diversity mm -hmm. of track by track, you know, and, and, you know, I feel like a lot of, I mean, I don't want to say this, but jazz musicians, like, you know, mm -hmm. like you said, are influenced by hip hop or influenced by rock, influenced by all these different styles of music, but then they're still swinging out, you know? 
So mm-hmm. I was, it was, it was interesting, like not just, just becoming familiar with your music over the last couple of days and reading the bio, putting on the music and just being like, oh shit, like you really are influenced by these things and your music like very like obviously um, showcases that. Um, I was wondering, you know, you, you do come from a, a musical family and I know that your grandfather is one of the most revered, a very revered uh, jazz pianist. And maybe you could share with everyone who that is, but but did like what? What is that like? You know, and you have a completely unique sound, compositional style that's like very current and modern. And did you f- have any like, uh, what was that experience in creating something so unique and so different than like maybe the lineage and tradition of like your family? That's a great question. <laughs> that's a great question. It's one I think about often. Um, my grandfather is a pianist by the name of Kenny Barron. Um, he's amazing, and you know, uh Obviously, and I grew up with him and I'm still around him a lot. You know, it's it's a huge blessing because he's incredible, <laughs> you know, and he's got skills far beyond, you know, like what I ever feel like I'll, you know, get to is, is you know, but he's he really um, I think has informed certainly my love of music, like a just someone who just loves sound and loves, you know, it's it's really great to be around him because. I know that what I'm creating in many ways like doesn't exist in a way that like he, I just couldn't imagine ever that he would be into what I was making. Like I just would never would have thought it, you know? And and it's been really cool because over time, you know, he's not really like a, he's a man of few words. So like, he won't tell you when something's bad, but he isn't gonna say it's good if it's not, you know? And so, I I spent a lot of years making music and doing things and him being like, all right, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like as of late and just in writing, like, you know, he's been like, this is, I like this, you know? And so it's been, it's been really nice to kind of like to get to a space where we are um, understanding each other and also like making some music and playing a little bit more together. And because for me, I had a very interesting relationship with, let's call it improvisation um, and what I felt about it and what I wanted to learn and what I wanted to do um, and playing vibraphone and knowing that like, I couldn't put the record out too early because if I put it out too early, everyone is gonna expect based on who I'm related to and based on the instrument I play, that this record is gonna be a certain thing. Um, and I really wanted the focus to be on the compositions and, and the, all the different elements and not so much on the improvisation, though it's important. Um, and I love it, but, but I think that for me is something I'm still like sort of working with how much in my compositions, how much do we want to feel like can continue this mold of like the traditional, you know, spang-a-lang, like. You know what I mean? Or I like to call it changes music. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how much am I still following that? And how much do you want to say, all right, like, you know, maybe we threw compose this one. Maybe, maybe, boom, you get a little hot little eight bars because it makes sense as opposed to like, here's this, you know, here's this platform and here's how we're going to do it. So it's, there's a lot of that on this record, but the next one I'm sure is going to be a little bit different um, as far as the way the music moves. But I think, when you watch someone perform at that level, 
um, it definitely, I would never do exactly what he did unless I could do it that well. So that is, that's, I think it does inform it. For me, it was like, I could never come up and be like, all right, like all the things you are, let's go. Like, I, I just couldn't do that because I, I'm not going to do that at the level that he does that at. You know what I mean? For me, it was like, how can I find a space where I'm really authentic? Really, really authentic. Because if I'm really, really, really being me, first of all, I'm going to do all the work that I need to do to perform at the highest level. You know what I mean? Because I'm being myself and I love and I care about it. Um, but also, second of all, it's going to translate much better than me like showing up and trying to, you know what I mean? And work through these things that like, I don't even hear in my head and I don't really like, I'm not even really quite all the way there. So, you know, um, so that took a long time to battle with too. Cause sometimes I still feel kind of like bad about it. Like, ah, oh, but you know, but, but I think now as I've grown, I'm learning that these are the learning posts, right? These spaces were like that, that means that I know I want to learn about it. I know I want to continue to like expand my mind to, to move into that space and to like learn whatever that is. Um, but as far as my music, like it's, you know, it's influenced by it all, of course. And so it's all, all the history is important, man. Like all of it is important, but also it's important to just do me. Cause if I, if I wasn't, if I weren't doing me, what am I doing? <laughs> so you know what I mean? I'm with you on that 100%. Yeah. 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 What, what do you call this, this music that you created? um that's a good question it's it's tough i haven't really like i would have to like create my own genre that's all right yeah i would call it like like neo neo uh neo black music Oh shit, neo black music. All right. <laughs> Something like that. I don't know, you know, because it's like I said, it's just so many different things, you know. When you have to categorize it, I just end up going like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Like it's RB and it's hip hop and it's jazz. And like Yeah. You know, no, I, I asked little... that question just 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 because you gotta you gotta write up and down beat. Yeah, and, yeah. And you know, jazz is funny because if people don't know what to call it, they call it jazz. Not you, exactly. I just exactly the, the critics. No, you're you're absolutely right. If it's instrumental you know, to some extent, yeah, it becomes jazz, yeah. Right, yeah, right. That, that's extremely p- problematic to me. And this is my own yeah. personal view. Because if I click country music, I know what it's going to sound like. I got a general idea of like, oh, it's going to kind of sound like right. this. It's going to fit. But if you click jazz, you can get anything. It can, it's it can, such a wide, it, yeah. Yeah, it could sound like anything. And that's problematic from, from a from a marketing standpoint. It's like, yeah, what the fuck is yeah. it? Like, what is it? You know, I'm just I'm just I curious agree. how you feel about that, you know. Yeah, also, no, it, uh, it's been tough. It's, yeah, it's been t- <laughs> <laughs> it's yo, it's been tough. It's been tough because I, you know, there was such a big thing. My manager and I like we talk about this a lot because I what I've found, you know, of course, of course, of course, like I'm related to someone who is incredible and is like one of the last living legends. But, you know, if I show up and like, you know, a venue or promoter or whatever wants to only talk about that, right, um, it becomes a problem because of the worlds, right? Like, I, I don't want people to think that that's what you're going to get because, I think many people have shown up to the record and been like, yeah, I wasn't expecting to hear that. (laughs) Like, that is not what I was expecting. 
You know what I mean? Um, so it's, I definitely have at times been like, all right, well, how much are they like using the J word and how much are, you know what I mean? Cause I, I need to know how much is, is this going to be like in the, you know, um, because I, I, I understand what you're saying. It's problematic. It's problematic. It's problematic. I, I don't like getting for many reasons, which I'm sure we could talk about, but, but I don't like getting locked in, um, to that just because yeah, like we're, we're, we're making moves. We're, we're, we're widening up. I don't, you know what I mean? I don't like to like, like, sure, call it what you want, but there's probably like five other things you could call it, you know? So I'm wondering if like that whole, that whole, um, the idea of, I mean, I guess, you know, the word jazz and smooth jazz and all that kind of stuff, those were names come up by focus groups and corporations and conglomerates mm -hmm. all that totally. making money and shit. But I wonder how yeah. also that's going to change like in, in the, uh, categorizing of music with things like Spotify and again, this new generation of music, like who gets to choose what the music is called, you know? Right. <clears throat> right. 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 I was watching the yeah, documentary. Yeah. They, were, they, were, they were explaining how the word smooth jazz came about and it's like literally came from a focus group and yeah. And what happens when we get to choose the name of what we play? <laughs> right. Right. And that, I mean, that's, yeah. And that's the, you know, especially with this music, there's obviously a deep history there too, you know, just like calling the music what, you know, like having somebody label for you what you're doing, <laughs> you know, um, and then that becoming the popularized thing. And then, and then now we have all these movements of like trying to reclaim what it is, you know? So I hear you, man. Definitely hear you. So dig this. You're also, uh, you're an educator. I am. I am. How's that going? How's that going? Like, how, <laughs> how, do, you, <laughs> how do you feel in this, in this current market? You know? Listen, the climate, the, I mean, everything is tough right now with COVID and everything. So it, you know, I didn't teach in a classroom for a year. Um, now I'm back in the classroom, you know, teaching concert band and, and, and it's cool. It's, it's, like I said, it's like the world is a little different now. So there are different things to consider. I think I always, though, because I love to teach. I actually love to teach. I really do. Um, I think I'll always teach in some capacity. I'll always teach in some capacity. But in the, I'm not quite sure, you know, in what way, um, if it'll always be this classroom thing. But, but, you know, I think it's just a, to me, it's always been a little bit of a part of my duty. You know, like I always know that there are certain, like I'll always perform. I'm always going to teach, like I'm always going to compose. It's just that those things, the the amount of the pie that it takes up for my life kind of switches around a lot, you know. Um, you love to teach, but what is it that you hate? The politics? Is it um, what's happening? What's happening at the schools that you don't <laughs> You know, it's a, I think in any situation, if you're teaching kids, um, there's always like the kids and then there's the adults, you know what I mean? And, and generally kids are not ever the issue. It's the adults. I don't know that that's necessarily what's going on now. I think what's going on now for me is that I'm sort of, I've been teaching deeply for like almost 10 years and I think it's time for a little bit of shift and I probably will shift to composing a little bit more and, and teaching a little bit less. But, you know, I think, um, like I said, there are things I really, really love about teaching, but for me, if I'm teaching, I need to be able to do it in my own way. And I have to be able to bring the ideals that I really care about um, 
And there are certain situations that are really difficult. It's difficult if someone's telling you how and why and what you need to teach. It's different. It's difficult if you have strong opinions about something and there's someone around you that's teaching too, or someone like that's not you, that's also an adult that like maybe doesn't have the same ideals on the music or doesn't, you know, it's difficult if you are spending time disciplining instead of teaching, right? Like there are like all these things that will change how it feels to be an educator. Um, And so there's a part of me that like, as a musician, I'm really learning like that you have to be just the same way that you're like discerning about your relationships and discerning about like, you got to be discerning about that, about the teaching and stuff, because it will take away, like, it'll take away from your ability to be a musician. It'll take away from your ability to like go home and write and to get up and have the energy to like do all the things that you need to do. If that one thing is like draining you in a way that it shouldn't, because I think all this stuff is supposed to give us life. It it all is. Even if, you know what I mean? Even if it's like a teaching, like it should give us life. It should give you life to give what you love to somebody else, you know, because it's because it's about love and it's about giving like that should feel great. And so I'm, I'm sort of in this space of learning, like not every space is for me, even if it's paying good money. You know what I mean? Like the, it's difficult because, you know, being able to gauge because as musicians, sometimes we struggle and you you we think from a scarcity mindset sometimes as, as many humans do and and the worry. Right. But I've always found that if I'm operating with love, like everything kind of works itself out, you know. So as soon as I fa- start finding myself to be bitter and stuff, I'm like, this is not it's not going to fare for me the way it's supposed to. So, like, I should probably step out That's much harder in any situation, gigs, like anything, that's much harder <laughs> to do than it seems, than it sounds, you know? But that's, that's been the vibe with the teaching. Like, I want to keep the love in it, you know? Absolutely. That was right on yeah. time. I needed to hear all that. Just, just. I hear you. I'm saying it for myself <laughs> too, because I need to, I need to hear it too. It's, it's, you know, it's tough, but it's like, you know, like I, it's like remembering that this is the stuff that we love. Like, you know, if I'm not loving it, then this is, that's the universe letting me know what's good. <laughs> you know, it's like, I think one of the the beautiful things too about like this tradition that we come from of like, you know, the, the great musicians, the mentor, the the mentee and things like that. It's like, I, I think this, this style of music and, and I, I don't want to use the J word now because I think it mm-hmm. transcends that. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it's it's like it's such a it's one of the most beautiful parts of this tradition that that we come from, and it's like I think it's one of the few places in America that like it's like really alive and thriving. And then you, you yeah. have people like yourself, and you know, and, and all the greats who who feel compelled and feel like it's part of the music to pass down. Mm-hmm. That's that's a that's a that's a that's a, that's, a, that's quite quite a weight and such an important thing for the next generation. And so I guess, I guess my question to you is like, how, like, how, how do you handle like the responsibility of giving or the responsibility of passing down and still finding the time to be creative yourself? You know, you, you, you kind of mentioned earlier that sometimes teaching can, can um, make that a little more challenging, but how do you find that boundary? It's tough. It's tough. Um, For me, I have to, I think the first thing for me has been learn, learning your habits, view your natural habits outside of your head. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like for me, I can look at myself and say, you know what, 
There are certain things that are easy for me to do and difficult for me to do. If I'm dealing with kids all day, it's not going to be easy for me to write or to practice. It's just not like, I, you know, I don't have, I don't have it in me. So for me, because I recognize it as a challenge, I have to force myself at 1230 or at one or whatever, you got to shed for the next couple hours. Like there's no, you know what I mean? Like allowing yourself to, to care about yourself, to give that to yourself. You know what I mean? Because there's no, there's not really another way. I haven't figured out another way yet. Um, otherwise, it's like if I kind of just let it go, and I'm I'm a very like go with the flow kind of girl. Like, let's just let it ride. You know, let's see what happens. But I, I realize there are certain things that just won't happen if I just see what happens. You know, so that's why I say like learning your own. Cause some people are much more natural, like can get, will get up and do more naturally. Like I have to, there are certain things that like, I have to push myself, you know? Um, so I think, yeah, and, be, and being good with time management, you know, deciding like, what are my values? What is it that I really care about? And what, what are the goals and what's going to get me to the goal? And like, can I insert that a little bit in every day, you know, because there's no, for me, like I said, with the teaching, like you will be exhausted. There's no other way except forcing it, you know, like it, that sometimes, you know, that can drain the um, motivation out of you. Like the, like I'm so motivated, but it, motivation, I don't think is, is the, is what is not always what gets things done. You know, it's, I think you it's mentioned love, you know? love, you know, like I, I love what you were saying too, about that's in the classroom. You want to share the love. That's it. <clears throat> yeah. And back yeah, to exactly. ourselves too, you know? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just makes the day more enjoyable. I mean, if you, you know, particularly if you're in a space where it's like you're teaching, and it's like that there are hours that like you would prefer not to have, but you got to deal with it. And like, you know what I mean? It's like you have to continue to keep that positive energy in it. It's like that. It's just it's imperative. It's imperative to kind of like find that space of like, what would I be excited to share today? You know, or like, I know we got to work on this, but like, I know if I put this tune on, I'm going to enjoy it more and they'll be more into it. And I can really share what the love is as opposed to like, I'm talking to you about triplets today. So like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. What ages do you teach? Oh, brother. Um, <laughs> right now, um, third through 12th right now. Everyone. Third through 12th. But yeah, I, I mean, I'm very much not really like uh haven't really in the past been like a lower school kind of teacher. Um, that's a newer thing for me that I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how much I'll be doing that. Um, though I did used to teach like piano to like five-year-olds and stuff like that. Like I can deal with a little kid, but a lot of them in one room is, is, is deep, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. And then, yeah. And I, I love fifth, fifth grade. I'm usually the first person to like put a horn in a kid's hand. Um, so you know, like I'm teaching that, that I love. I love that. That's kind of like my most exciting space. And then of course, high school, um, I teach wind ensemble now, which is, which is dope. Cause it's like a different space and it's like, really, I love to arrange. So just reading all these charts and studying and, you know, um, you know, looking at all these fanfares and stuff. It's just like kind of dope. Cause that's not, you have always been like a jazz teacher prior. So it's been a really nice space to expand, um, what I know, you know. Hey, so when you're at a crossroad in your life, how do you know which direction to go? 
I love that you're asking this right now. I literally just had this conversation with someone today. Um, I've been like reading a bunch, but just like reading like Deepak Chopra and like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm definitely in a space of like transition right now. So, you know, when I, you know, for a lot of us, when we get into those spaces, you start searching, you know, you're like, I'm gonna figure this out. Um, yeah. And that's something I've been dealing with really. Like, how do you know what decision to make? Um, the process that has been helping me out a lot right now is the future self process, right? Like thinking about yourself five or 10 years in the future and you approach yourself and you talk about this decision. What were, what were there? What's that person's outlook on what you chose? Um, also I think as a woman, uh, with a, with a very keen uh, women's intuition, I think for me, and not everybody's as in touch with this, but when it comes to making decisions, I can really, and maybe it's better if I'm meditating a lot, but I can kind of feel it. Like I can feel which decision, if I really separate them, one of them causes more ease, always. One of them just feels a little easier. Um, and so that to me, I can always kind of get like, why is, you know, you just start thinking about it. What is the discomfort with the other decision? What are the consequences of that decision kind of thing? So those two things I think have been really helping me because I've been upon some decisions as well. Right. So like, what is future me going to say and think, um, you know, cause I just, you know, you always think about yourself, like in five, 10 years, like I think about like, you know, where I'm going to be and what I, you know. So I can always think specifically to that decision, like, oh, I'm going to think back and be like, oh, that was silly. Why would you ever do that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and the intuition. Like, as, a, as a new parent, you know, I have to make decisions for a whole human. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, so you have to really be intentional with these decisions because they can really affect this other person's life in a big way. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like the, you know, I'll never forget my dad, and my mom, they really taught me growing up like every decision you make is going to affect your life in one way or the other mm. so, so do your best to make the right one and then they walk off and you're like oh shit well that- no pressure <laughs> no, pressure. <laughs> no pressure at all how do i know which one's the right one exactly exactly i hear you i hear you sometimes sometimes you're presented with like 20 right ones Right. Yeah. But is it really the right one? If like, if there's multiple right ones, it's just like, it's just the one, you know, it's like, it's just just the one you chose. That's it. Right. (laughs) Right. And then that's, it's tough because there's actually no way to, I mean, the only way to know what your better outcome is. I mean, there's no way to know, right? Like you choose one and that's the path you walk. You, you, right. Like at some point there's a realization of like, it's not even worth it to like rack our heads about it. It's like, you know what I mean? You make the decision and then that's the path, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, if you can't you know, go back, then enjoy. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's definitely true. I think about like, you know, how people always see in relationships, like in, in American cultures, like the one mm-hmm. like that. But I, and, and I like what you just said, because I, I, when I was single, I'm married now, but I would just be like, yeah, they're all the one. It's just a matter of which one I'm going to choose. But like, that's true. You know, everybody. That's true. But you chose the right one. Luckily, goddamn. <laughs> well, I chose real, the real yeah. first, but that's another day for another story. Gotcha, you know? gotcha, 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 gotcha. <laughs> Greg was there. He he was there the whole time. <laughs> I mean, well, at the end of the day, she did lead you to the right one. So, you know. Look at that. Exactly. 
comedy. And your baby's so cute. You know, like what? Yeah, did your baby? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, we. Well, you got. You know, every there you go, man. Every decision leads somewhere, and so all of those decisions that I made in my life led me here. So here we go. I'm happy to be here. I feel very yeah, inspired by what you said. I was like, I think. I was on the phone with Darian yesterday or two days ago, just like, man, what the fuck am I going to do? Like, I don't know what to do. And he did offer some wonderful advice. I have, you know, compliments to Darian, but I appreciate what, what you just shared with us because, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I think it's, it's challenging too um, when, when you speak to non-musicians about life advice and things like that and, and non-creatives, like, you know, as creatives, we, we live almost in an alternate universe with, this, this balance between security and insecurity or security and creativity. And, and just, um, you know, we, we, we're almost like, I don't know, in the same way that we can be adventurous and creative with our compositions and art. We also have the benefit of like really being in touch with that too in our lives. And I guess as I get older too, I find, uh, a lot of people, I don't know, a lot of people like, um, don't you want some security? Don't you want some stability? You know? <laughs> Yeah, man, that's the, that whole security stability. And like, look, I get it, you know, because like we got to take care of ourselves. But, you know, like I said, you know, I'm just doing a ton of reading and it's true. It's like this, the, the scarcity mindset, the second time I'm saying this, I think, but that scarcity mindset really does like hold us back, you know, because of the all the things that we won't do because of the fear that we won't have. You know, and not realizing that like the only way to have this abundance or whatever is to step out and to be in that space. Right. So like, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. You know, I've, I've been saying this mantra to myself every day uh, lately is that my reward is going to be equal to my risk. Yeah. Anytime it's like, all right, cool. You can whatever, like, you know, stock market, you put a hundred bucks, you only gonna make a hundred. So right. you gotta, that, and life is like that. Yeah. You gotta really get up out here, you know. And right. I think the idea of stability is complete bullshit anyway. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's true. It doesn't, it doesn't exist. Listen, I, it doesn't exist. After the pandemic, I had had a job, whatever I was teaching. Um, and then it was over, right? You know, like it's, it's just, and I was there for years, seven years, something like that. So it's like, there's this understanding that like, Anytime, I mean, anytime you work for someone else, they could just make a decision, <laughs> you know? So even though it feels stable, it's still not. Nothing is stable, you know? Nothing is, everything is ever changing, you know? So it's like, we have to really, really become comfortable with ourselves and with, with just ourselves, you know? And with <laughs> having <Yeah>. ourselves, <laughs> you know? It only feels stable because you ain't, you not worried about making payroll. Somebody is like, oh shit, are we gonna make payroll this Ex month? Exactly, it's just not you. It, that's yeah. so real. That's so real, you know. Yeah, it's the things we don't think about, you know. So go for your dreams, y'all. <laughs> Amen. I love that. Um, we can get yeah. the whole stability being bullshit too. I think stability yeah. is like this, yeah. uh, this trap too. It's like get the job, pay your taxes, <laughs> <laughs> and stay on the hamster wheel. Stay on the hamster wheel. <laughs> Stay on the hamster wheel. Just go because we need that. We need these taxes, you know. Oh, man. You know, yeah, I'm like really, I, I feel very inspired leaving this conversation. I'm also amazed at the, uh, the, the vast scope of your musical accomplishments. I'm like, I'm just amazed that you can 
you can sit there and teach a wind ensemble, teach a fifth grader how to play the trumpet for the first time, compose all this amazing stuff, produce, and and just be an incredible, incredible badass motherfucker. So, man. Uh, and you're you. also a spiritual guru. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that, man. Listen, y'all, it's, it's been great. And uh, I just want to first, before we go, I want to give you an opportunity to tell all the people where they can go buy your yoga mats and how to link up with you on social media, hit you in the DMs and get your records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Nakara presents Black Wall Street streaming available everywhere. Please buy it on Bandcamp. If you want to follow me on Instagram, it's at Nikara Music, N-I-K-A-R-A Music. If you click the link in the bio, you'll fi- figure out where to buy it, where to listen to it, um, where I'm playing, all that stuff. So, yeah. There it is, y'all. So uh, make sure y'all do that. Link with Nikara. Hit her in the DMs. Ask her about her spiritual uh, guides that she is now working on and writing it by the, by, by the Black Wall Street for sure, y'all. Nikara, yeah. thank you so much thank for coming you. on the Working Artist Project. Yeah, thank you. All right, y'all. My name is Darian Douglas. I'm Gregory Ajit. Nikara, have a wonderful night. Thank you. Night. We'll catch y'all later. Peace.